I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Why more mileage is not always better. Whenever we approach the end of a month, it is popular for athletes to post their monthly mileage totals on Instagram or other forms of social media. We see big numbers like 200 or 300 monthly miles sometimes. But on average, runners training for a half or a full marathon will hit about 100 miles in a month. What do all of these numbers really mean? Do they have any indication as to what type of shape a person is in? Do the more miles do the more miles you run mean that you're automatically a faster runner? While it may seem like faster runners typically do run more miles on average, it is a common misconception to think that running more miles actually makes you a faster runner. Mileage should be specific to each athlete. Some athletes have been running their whole lives and are very durable. Other athletes of the exact same fitness level are more injury prone or older in age, so they run less mileage. Two athletes may be at the exact same fitness level, but one runs 50 miles per week, the other 25 miles per week. Is one better than the other? No. It's about finding what works for you and your body and being willing to adapt over time. So this is a very interesting topic as, you know, we're diving into a lot of the spring marathon training or spring training and everyone's getting ready for their goal races later this year. And so mileage is often a hot topic. People tend to increase their mileage as they go into the summer months, as they ramp up training to get into the best shape that they possibly can be. And especially coming off of a winter where maybe you were on the treadmill a lot more, where you took some time off. This is typically a time where we see athletes want to ramp up the mileage with all the nice running weather and everything. So it can often be that people see what other runners are doing. Maybe it's on Strava, maybe it's on Instagram, and they want to kind of mimic, uh, oh, like this person runs 50 miles a week, this person runs 40 miles a week. I want to be like them, so I want to train like them. Um, And oftentimes getting in that comparison trap and the more is better approach Um, to running. And often there is some variation there. So more isn't always better. And so we wanted to kind of open up into that topic. Um, I know in the past we've done podcasts on how to increase your mileage and we kind of went over signs that you're ready to increase your mileage. But this podcast is more talking about maybe when it's time to not increase your mileage and how to know if you're already at your mileage sweet spot and how some athletes 
might just be more lower mileage runners in general. So I have with me today Jason Philippi, who's a coach here. I run for PRs. He's been coaching for over a decade. Um, he's worked with age groups all the way from middle school, high school, college, and then all the way to you know masters runners when it comes to marathon training, half marathon training. So really working with a wide level of athletes at different age groups and different developmental stages in their running. Um, and so I just wanted to kick things off with him talking about his experience. Um, and so Jason, what was the first time you realized that you were more of a lower mileage runner and how does one kind of get to that place of understanding if their body likes more mileage versus less mileage? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think the first time I realized I was sort of a lower mileage runner was in college. Um, you know, we'd go to certain meets and you'd compete against a lot of the same teams like in your conference. And then, um, you know, this was sort of right around the time social media was starting to come out like Facebook and stuff. But um, letsrun.com was also a website where people were very vocal and open about their training. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, different threads about um, different conferences and divisions in college, like division three and one and all that. So um, that's kind of where you started to see like who was doing more. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where I, I'd show up to meets and I'd, I'd do some cool downs with runners from other schools, like after the meets, right? And we'd talk about training and, and get an idea of how it maybe was different, um, you know, across those institutions. And I realized, like, I was only running probably 40 miles a week on average. Um, and these guys were, some of them were running upwards in the 80s. Uh, but I would say the average was probably like 60 to 70. That was kind of a sweet spot for a fairly competitive Division three runner, Um and just to give you some perspective on like what that would look like for times for men, um, you know, if you're sub 16 in the 5k, you're, you're fairly competitive. And if you're sub sub 15, I mean, you're, you're looking at one of the, you know, a national type caliber athlete. Um, and then for females, it's probably closer to, you know, sub, if you're sub 18, you're really competitive, um, for females. And if you're sub 17, you're, you're talking, you're one of the top runners in the nation. So, um, that's kind of like the, just giving a giving you a ballpark, um, you know, and even looking at middle distance athletes like myself, I was like a four fourteen miler, and a lot of athletes that ran, you know, in the fourteens were still probably running like fifty to sixty miles a week minimum during track season. Um, you're typically running a bit less during track than you are cross country because the distance is much um, shorter unless you're focused on the ten k on the track. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I got my first uh, taste of you know what what weekly mileage should be and. My coach always erred on the side of doing a little bit less. He thought less was more, especially someone from my background who came in from a high school program where I was running like 30s, mid-30s, and then I got injured right away as a freshman. So I think they were very cautious not to progress me too quickly. Um, and then the other thing is college coaches, it's hard to really know who's doing the training in the summer, right? So an athlete's coming in the fall, you kind of have to assess based on their fitness and where they're at, and then you get an idea of, who is motivated to train in the summer and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good points that you brought up there. And I think the biggest one being that you didn't really even know that you were running less mileage um, until, you know, social media came out or until you start kind of talking to other people and you start getting caught in that comparison trap. So oftentimes when coaches like your coach in college was constructing your training, 
perhaps there were things that he noticed about you. Like if he increased your mileage, um, he noticed, oh, like he got injured. And I know you kind of struggled with an injury earlier in your college running career. And so perhaps the reason that you found yourself running lower mileage was as a result of your coach seeing that, hey, this athlete is not responding to um, high mileage like we would want him to or like we would expect. And so that maybe got you kind of a label of uh, more of an injury-prone athlete. And as a coach, that's something that I really look out for is what is the history of this athlete, right? Mm-hmm. So when someone comes to us and, you know, if if they're coming back from an injury, um, that that's really like an indicator to me. Or if they have a history of in- injuries, um, I'm always just very cautious of let's, let's not, you know, overwork them, overcook them. Sometimes you know, injuries happen because people are not training correctly. So maybe that's doing too many runs too fast or they're doing workouts that are not within their range. But more often than not, you know, if you look at the breakdown, there's typically a correlation between your mileage and, you know, injuries that happen with running. So is there anything that you can speak to in regards to, you know, just injuries and mileage and how sometimes when those increase, they, they go together? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think I, you know, I mentioned I was injured my freshman year. It was basically right away early in the season because I went to camp in late August and we, we had like um, several days in a row of two or three days. And so my body was definitely not used to it. And then about a week later is when I started to have some, some tightness in my IT band and it was really sharp pain in my knee. So I basically had to um, you know, take some time off. I missed the first race and then, um, it, it eventually went away. And, you know, I found that it was basically just too many slow miles. My body was not ready to adapt to that. Um, because I probably doubled my mileage basically in a week. And so that's not definitely not smart. And, um, you know, eventually I found kind of that 40 miles a week range was sort of my sweet spot. Um, take a day off maybe every, every other week or every third week, but we were running pretty much, um, you know, seven days a week and you're competing about once a week. And, um, I would say, yeah, an average day was about five to six miles. Um, and then your longer days, you know, you, you top out around 10 or so. So it, it definitely was something that I first, you know, started to realize like, oh, Hey, I can't just like jump up. This is going to have to be a slow, gradual build. And then year after year, as I got older, you know, I definitely was not good about staying super motivated in the summer. Like I was always a college student who, I had a full-time job, you know, I would try, I'd probably run five days a week. Um, so I'd take two days off. And so, you know, it's hard to get mileage up much higher than forties, um, even in the summer. So unfortunately I was unable to really start to build up into the sixties and seventies. Like I would have liked, um, I probably had my best year between junior and senior year consistently hitting 40 to 50. So I did come in in pretty good shape that year. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things like i never was um, super excited about just going out and, and logging the miles. I was more of a workout guy. I liked doing the workouts. Um, that's where I, you know, I felt like for me, that gave me the confidence. Um, for some runners, giving them, focusing on the miles and logging, you know, you know, whether it's like a highly weekly total or whatever it is, or a monthly total, like you mentioned earlier, that for some runners is motivating. Um, I never really tracked that back in college because we didn't really have like Garmin connect and stuff. So I didn't really know. Plus we didn't have GPS watches. So we were basically just going off of an estimation of our pace. But, um, yeah, I think there as a, as a college athlete, um, 
you know, if you were going to be talked about as one of the top contenders, like in our conference or at the national level, you were definitely somebody who was known to be a higher mileage runner, um, you know, higher mileage, at least 70 to 80 miles a week. Yeah, that's a really good point how you started to bring up the different motivational preferences of athletes and how that can actually play a factor into calculating the uh, mileage. And I kind of want to dive into that topic, but just wrapping up on the injury thing, um, I think it is important to note, like when you went to camp and you said, oh yeah, you know, I could double my mileage, started running two-a-days, um, a lot of people are probably like, whoa, like that's probably why you got injured, right? But the ironic part about that is, you know, you're on a team full of other people who did some of them did the exact same thing as you and did not get injured at all. And in fact, their bodies responded in a positive way. And so, you know, obviously it's a training error to double your mileage. You don't want to like, you know, go from zero to a hundred. But I think the statement is that some people are just more durable. And so when you look at just someone's natural ability, like, you know, some people just have stronger bones genetically, um, whereas other people have, you know, bone density issues. And and that can honestly be a uh, genetic factor. And same with like the tendons and ligaments and different parts of your body might just be more prone to injury than someone else. And um, I think, you know, sometimes it's all about the genetic lottery, right? Like there is that component to things. Um, I am definitely not a talented runner by any, <laughs> any stretch of the imagination, right? Like I don't have a lot of speed. Um, like, unlike you, right? Like I wasn't, you know, picked out in gym class, like, oh, you're the fastest person on the, on the, the roster. Right. Um, but I found over the years that I'm someone who my body can really, it, it can handle a lot of physical stress, right? Like I don't really get injured. I've never had a bone injury and I've done things similar to what you have talked about where, you know, you, um, double your mileage right or like there were times where I did really foolish things um in my early 20s where I'm just like hey I'm I'm gonna run a hundred mile week just for fun which I had no reason to be you know I'm a 313 marathoner there's no reason to run 100 miles a week um but it's just my body had no problem bouncing back from from that and and I think that can be a hindrance for people because you know I don't get injured, right? So I can play that card and wave it in the air all day. Like, I really don't get injured. Like, I I have a durable body. So that's my free pass, right? But in reality, it's not because there's that secondary component that we're maybe going to touch on is the burnout, right? And how that can just derail people. So if you're training at a mileage, like, those weeks where I was trying to run a hundred miles a week just for whatever reason, um, there was a level of burnout that happens. So what is the difference between, you know, an injury and a burnout? And do you find that people who have this durability factor, um, maybe you can think of a couple in your head that, you know, friends that run a ton of mileage, have you ever seen them reach a point of like emotional, um, or just mental fatigue and burnout? And what does that typically look like in its early stages? Yeah, um, I think over the years, you know, I've, I've seen a few college runners at that age where, you know, we're running shorter distances at that level. So a burnout to them is going to look different than a traditional, you know, marathoner. But for them, it was kind of a plateau in their times, like they're just not getting any faster. Um, and to me, that maybe signals like they maybe needed to change something about their training. Um, 
maybe less mileage, maybe more speed endurance workouts. I don't know, but you know, every program is kind of a bit different. Um, but, um, you know, as far as since college has ended, um, uh, moving up to the half marathon, marathon distance, I've definitely been continued to stay friends and, um, followed a lot of people's training who I used to compete against in college. And a lot of them, I know we're running high mileage. Um, they're very open about it. You know, there's all these running diaries out there, uh, like running to win and stuff. And so you can see what people are doing and, yeah, I mean, for a while they'd be they'd be doing well, and then all of a sudden they would hit a rough patch where, like, and what we know about the marathon, right, is that it's really hard to to PR and it's hard to consistently PR, and so they find that eventually um, they hit a, a point where they just don't like what they're doing, or and they have to take time off, um, or they they blow up in a race, and then they're just like, I put in all this work and it just didn't pay off, and so you know, for me, I'm always someone that. I've kind of learned through watching other runners and through my own personal journey um, and athletes that I've coached. It's, I think it's best to slightly go into something under training than it is yeah. to be overtrained. And, um, you know, I think uh, I heard a good quote on a podcast the other day that, that said, um, you're only as good as your top three performances. So um, just because you run this like insanely fast PR once doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be that fast in the future. Um, the more consistent I think you can become over time, I think that sets you up for better performances down the road. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think this is a topic that's not often talked about, right? Like no one wants to say it's a little better to be under-trained than over-trained. And it's kind of like the game 21, right? As soon as you go over, um, you lose, right? It's better to be right there, right on the edge, not go over than it is to go over that line. And just thinking back to those those periods of time um, where I was like, I'm going to run 100 miles a week or 80 or whatever it was, um, I got really caught up in like the mileage thing because I was like, my body can handle it. That's what I should do. Um, or just, it was fun, right? Like it's a fun challenge to see how many miles you can run in a week. Like I totally can relate to people who set these weekly mileage goals, monthly mileage goals. But what ended up happening our bodies are really adaptable and really smart. And so, you know, I didn't see a huge decline in performance. And I think that was really what caused me to continue doing it for so long. It's like, yeah, my times were a little bit slower, but I mean, when you're talking the difference between maybe running 615 pace for a 5k versus like 630 pace, it's so close that you, you're not really super urgently making a change like, oh, you know, something's totally going wrong. Um, and so then once you kind of had that initial decline, your body just kind of stagnates. And so what you might notice is all of your performances are just the same across the board. You're not improving and you're not not improving. You're just in this like stagnation stage, I guess you could say. Um, and I was kind of there for probably two years because I, I was running a little bit too many miles, um, caught up in that mileage game. And it just seemed like, you know, in that time period, I also ran several marathons and all of them were within like two minutes of each other. Like it was 326, 326, 327. Um, and that was about 10 minutes off of what my marathon PR was. And so, you know, you can, you can play all the games you want mentally and say, like, you make excuses, you kind of fall into that trap. Like, oh, I don't really care about my training as much. Or that's kind of when the burnout started spiraling for me is when you kind of get those like feelings of hopelessness of like your training. Like you think, oh, I can't improve. What's the point? Or you just start kind of getting negative and you almost feel like 
you are forced to be out there. You're forced to be running so many miles and it it's not as fun anymore. Like you use, you lose that excitement for it. And when I'm talking about looking at other people's diaries, like I know we have read some people's run journals who year after year are running 100, 120 miles a week. Um, and sometimes you see these logs and that's kind of the attitude. It's like this drudgery, like they have to go out there and they feel like it's such a chore. Um, and you almost like, you feel sad for them because you're like, gosh, they're such a talented runner, but you can just tell they're like hating it. And you usually see that for like a year or two. And we've seen some people just completely after those one or two years of those sort of recordings fall completely off the running train. And I think that's really common with people after college, right? They get really into the competition and they feel like they really have to do it for the team. Um, They don't want to let their coach down. Um, I had an athlete on the team when I was there who just was so dedicated, always was running the mileage that the coach said, always pushing herself, always there to perform. Um, The day graduation came and nationals, whatever, were over, she never ran again. And so it just kind of goes to show like, do you don't want to reach that point in your running where you feel like you hate it so much that you might reach a point where you never want to do it again. So how does someone avoid that? And do you think that mileage can sometimes have that hand in hand? Do you ever see athletes reach that um, point of burnout because they put so much expectations on themselves to compete at such a high level and maintain such a high mileage when in reality they could just maybe back off a little bit? Yeah, you know, I've I've seen so many different stories and, and people they you know they come out of college and so they want to capitalize on their fitness. Um and some stick with it for a very long time. Others run for a year or two and then they take a break. And I've seen runners take a break and they come back. Um and runners like myself, I like to think that I've always just sort of kind of stayed in the running scene. I've tried to maintain a decent amount of fitness, but nowhere near quite the fitness level I had, you know, back in two thousand nine when I or two thousand eight when I came out of college. But um yeah, and it's so interesting to see, and I, I can't say that there's like patterns necessarily, but the runners who, like you mentioned earlier, were consistently running like 100 miles a week, year after year, um, they're doing really well for a while, and then they d- just reach that point of stagnation. Those are typically the runners that have to maybe take some time off. Um, and I can't help but think what would what would have happened if we, you know, if they were just a little bit more open about changing their training throughout the course of those few years. Um, maybe maybe going changing their priorities as far as like distances because I know a lot of them were just constantly doing like uh, spring marathon build up, then a fall marathon build up, or maybe once a year, but they were still doing like marathon training basically um, year round. So if they changed their focus on the distance, they went back down of maybe five k or something a little bit shorter. Um, or if they just completely change their, you know, their approach to training and, um, focus more on, yeah, doing a little bit less mileage wise, but building in more like time for strength and more focusing on more recovery, um, or more speed endurance, that sort of thing. So, um, it's always interesting. You never know exactly like what people are doing outside of running because a lot of people don't really include those details about their training. Um, but I definitely think it's okay to, sort of ride your training in waves and it's okay to come back down and allow your body to reset. And that's where I feel like sometimes a lot of runners, they, they do just get trapped in the, the constant, um, need to keep their monthly totals a certain amount because they they fear like losing fitness. And that's really not what's going to happen. Like you can 
take some time off. And it, I, I, I'm a firm believer that I could probably train somebody. If you give me one year to work with an athlete who's consistently running hundred miles a week, um, you know, I think we could do, I think we could do, get them to be performing at the same level, if not better off 25% less mileage. Like they could be fine off 70 miles a week. We just need to change some things about their training. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think a lot of people who are stuck riding that higher mileage um, wave or they want to run more, it's really hard to break out of that mindset because for a long time, you know, like I prided myself on, you know, I'm a hardworking runner. I run more mileage. I work harder. And it kind of goes back to that whole stigma, right, that we attach to people who work harder, right? Like we always... In America, we're like, oh, I work 60, 70 hours a week. And sometimes people wear that as like a badge of honor. And they're like, I I am such a hard worker, right? We want people to appreciate that we put in work and that we work hard. And so the, the thought of backing off and doing less, I don't think people are like really jacked up about that because of what maybe it it the stigma that's attached to that. Like no one really wants to say, hey, you know, I'm doing less and be proud of me or whatever, or like I deserve better results because I'm doing less, right? I think it's counterintuitive and I do think there is a stigma associated with having, being a lower mileage runner. And I know maybe you've experienced this before where you're at a certain level, like, right, you run a 246 marathon, which is pretty respectable. You're running 40 miles a week and you get told comments by people who maybe have different training philosophies or they don't really know your background. Um, and they'll come up to you and say, you know, I could get you down to like 220, whatever, if you just run 80 miles a week. Um, (laughs) that sort of commentary that you would get. Um, so how is it dealing with that stigma, uh, as an athlete? And then just like, even as a coach, like having athletes that are kind of tied up in that, work ethic badge that they want to wear. Yeah. Um, for me, luckily I don't really allow it to get to myself. I know I, there is definitely that stigma about higher mileage, but for me, I just know my body and I know like my, the reason for why I run. And a lot of times I just don't want to be, um, I just don't want to be confined to running a lot of mileage because I know that's going to take away from like some of the quality that I'm able to do. Um, I would like to build up a little bit more, but definitely don't need to jump way up. And that's the thing is like, you only know yourself unless you've really been working with an athlete or you're really taking an extensive deep dive into someone's background. Um, it can take some time to really know what they're going to adjust to. Um, but I definitely think like that's that fear that some of those runners have like of, Oh, I need to do more. And they're so focused on the number. Like you could probably get by with doing less and you get more quality in. And I think that could make you a stronger runner. And you're not only working on um, developing other systems, but you're probably getting more, I think, mentally tougher too, because you're putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. You're doing new styles of workouts that maybe you haven't tried before. Um, You know, and I I think about an athlete I worked with pretty, about a year ago, he just was someone that wanted to get back into running. And he came to me and he he was all in from the start, like day one, like a, like a switch went off, I guess, and he wanted to start training. And we slowly progressed him, um, started with like, I don't know, 30, then 40, and then 50. And he just, he kept wanting to do more and more and more and super fast. And all of a sudden, four months in, he was already at like 60 miles. And um, this guy probably took, he improved fitness faster than almost anyone I've ever worked with that's an adult um, who's in his 30s. 
And then all of a sudden he just like fell off the face of the earth. And I, and I feel so bad because I, I cautioned him about this and I warned him and I really wanted to hold him back and big picture view of like the long buildup and that sort of thing. Um, and it just was one of those things. Like, I think, I think COVID had right about started at that same time. So that I'm sure made, made things difficult for him too. But, um, it's one of those things like the need to, and the want to do more isn't always better. Like in that situation, I don't think it set him up for a successful, um, you know, rest of the year. I think that we should have just probably hit the, hit the pause break, um, and just focus on some, some maintaining the consistency around that 45 to 50 range without building up so quickly to 60. Cause I think the burnout kind of crept in quicker than it should have. Um, and then I think when he realized that races weren't going to be happening, he was like, well, what's the point of training this hard? so it's one of those things like, you know, I think sometimes we just need to take a big, take a big picture look at what it is that we're doing, why we're doing it and align that with our future goals. Yeah, I can definitely relate so much to that athlete that you had, right? Like, I think we all kind of have gotten really caught up in the the, the pursuit of our goals. Um, and we want things right away. We don't want to wait. We don't want to think this long-term approach. And I thought it was really interesting how you said, like, I know why I run, right? So I think the biggest thing is knowing why you're out there doing it. Um, and I've had athletes similarly. I mean, it's very, very rare. But I had an athlete maybe three or four years ago now. Um, who was like 50, he was just totally just, just an endurance and almost like an adrenaline junkie, like self-admittedly, right? Like he really wanted to push the limits and want to know exactly, he basically straight up told me like, I want to know what is the most I can possibly get away with without like being so injured. So, I mean, we all really push the envelope and I'm like, we, we can try to push it, but I really want to hold you back. And he was always pushing it, right? Like always wanted to go more. And obviously, um, with that sort of like mindset and that sort of drive, a lot of those people do end up being pretty successful. Um, but again, it's like, it's short term, right? Cause they, they have such drive and like such motivation that I find that it usually doesn't last very long, um, or at least last in the same context. So this guy went from like three forties in the marathon and he brought it down to like a three fourteen in his fifties. Um, and he had just started running. So, I mean, that just kind of shows you like the type of jump that this, um, has the ability to do. And then literally just a couple months later, it just flipped a switch in his head. Didn't want to run anymore. He wanted to go into bike biking. Like, so he got really into road biking. Um, and, and now he's always doing like hundred mile road bike stuff. He's just an, an endurance junkie, right? He wants like the next challenge. And so for him, when I kind of had this discussion with him about like why you run and like kind of my coaching philosophy and his philosophy as an athlete, he basically said like he's doing it because, you know, life is, is short and he wants to like get, he wants to push his body like to the limit because he knows he's going to start getting really old soon and that his body is not going to be able to perform like this. And so he wants to, he doesn't even care. He said he didn't care if he ended up injured. He, he just really wants to push himself. And so that was his driving factor, right? And, and you have to know kind of what's driving you. Um, for me personally, like I really like running as, you know, a stress reliever. And so that's kind of the approach that I take when I'm developing my training is how can I develop a training cycle that provides me with motivation, but at the same time, isn't stressing me out or causing, you know, extra stress. Like I don't want to be injured. Um, I don't want to have a lot of pressure about different races, stuff like that. So those are things that come into play when I'm coming up with my 
mileage, right? I, I don't want to push myself that hard to the point where running wouldn't be a part of my life anymore. And I think you really have to like be honest and ask yourself those questions. Like, would you rather be consistent year over year for 10 years straight? Um, or would you rather, you know, just push your body to limits, like treat it as more of like a science experiment, right? Like, and then you might not be motivated to train for six months to a year. And I've seen this happen time and time again, um, people getting into a run streak or they just get really into training for a period of time. And then what happens after that period can sometimes be really shocking um, for people because what they don't understand is that that intensity that you're, you're driving and you're pushing with, um, there's always like a counteracting balance. And if you're not resting during that period, you're probably going to need a period of rest later. Your body's going to ask for it. Your mind's going to ask for it. And so anytime we're doing super extreme things with our training, um, you, yeah, you can expect extreme results, that's for sure. But you might also be surprised at the extreme um, rest that you need after that period. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but going back to like the benefits, right? So everyone has to run mileage. Everyone has their weekly mileage that they run. Um, if you're a runner, right? Like we're all doing easy mileage. We're all running several days a week. Um, so why is mileage so important um, in terms of gaining fitness? Like where did this come from? Um, talking a little bit about like the aerobic base and what it provides, yeah, I think, you know, and this kind of ties into like, how do we know it's time to start doing more, right? So I think when our body reaches a point where we're, we're able to be consistent with training, um, we're staying healthy, our, our times or our paces start to, you know, maybe it becomes easier, I guess, for us to hit certain paces, like in workouts, or if you're doing races, you're starting to see your times at least be very consistent or starting to slowly improve. And I think that if someone can prove to me that they've been injury free and they've been consistent with their training, um, you know, when I say consistent, I probably mean within like about a 10 miles per week, um, on average, if we look at their weekly average. So if I'm working with an athlete that averages about 30 miles a week, you know, on a low week, they might be like 25 on a high week might be like 35. Um, and they, they're doing that with me for like a year and we, we have a successful marathon buildup and everything. Then the next year we might go up by five miles or whatever, and just try to see how they handle, um, the, the slight increase. Um, maybe it's adding that extra day of running in per week. Um, maybe like two, two weeks out of the month or something like that. Um, obviously on the cutback week, we want to make sure that they have that extra rest day. So I think it's really about individualizing, um, you know, the training and customizing it based on your, your training age, um, the season of training that you're in, how durable that you are. Um, and then you have to think about the other stressors that you're going to add in too, because you can't also get crazy with, with new harder workouts and increase mileage at the same time. You have to be very careful with finding that balance. So, um, I definitely think people who have a strong or who have consistently built up to a certain, you know, average number of miles per week over time, year after year, they have a strong aerobic base established. I think that's much better than training for three months to six months and taking time off and then kind of like starting over and then ramping it up super quick again. And then like taking time off, I think obviously it's always good to take some time off, but we want to start to work back towards consistently, um, you know, keeping our mileage at least close to that average number.
Yeah, that's a good point. So consistency is super key if you're trying to reach your potential um, in the sport. And so often as coaches, that's that's really what we try to hammer home. And that's why when we're talking about these extreme athletes who really want to push the envelope, um, we kind of recognize that, you know, it wasn't going to be sustainable and maybe discussing with them like, hey, you know, this is probably what's going to happen a couple of years on the road um, if we continue to train like this and if you continue to push the envelope. And if that's something that they're like okay with, then, you know, I guess, you know, adults have to kind of make their own decisions there. But uh, most of the time people want to know what is going to be the thing that's going to allow me to run for the longest period of time. And then like, if you look at a 10 year timeline, what's going to be the thing that really allows me to improve and reach my potential. I think a lot of people want to actually reach what their full potential is and not just see what their potential is for the next one or two years. Right. Um, And so then in that case, we would recommend more of a gradual build and more of a less, um, you know, extreme approach. We don't want to push your body to that breaking point. We want to slowly build you up, um, have you improve week over week, month over month, year over year, right? And that's why it's really important to find that mileage sweet spot where you're improving, right? But you're also kind of adding a little bit of stress. So it might not be drastic mileage change um season over season right it it's it's very uh it's slower and maybe it doesn't look as flashy as you know going from 30 miles a week to 50 miles a week in a year um but you're getting that long term um longevity approach to your training and you're actually probably going to be able to improve better if you're focusing on that quality and if you're focusing on the quality workouts, because really at the end of the day, it's those quality workout sessions that are really going to propel your um, endurance and your fitness ability to the next level. Um, Just running a bunch of junk mileage uh, isn't really going to do a lot for you physiologically. So I guess this is another topic to kind of tie in with the mileage is how important are these quality sessions? And do you ever think that sometimes people overlook the quality sessions in exchange for, well, I really want to hit this weekly mileage number. And how can someone kind of get away from that and really focus on what is important and what are the most important parts of endurance training? Yeah. I mean, to answer this question, it's really going to boil down to your experience and what, how long you've been running. Um, you know, cause if we take a new runner, for example, we can just, we don't have to have such quality sessions, right? Like we can get them to improve, um, just through a lot of, just through slowly building up their volume a little bit um, and adding in a few different types of variable stressors along the way, maybe some strides or maybe some hills, um, some tempos, that sort of thing. Um, once we get to a certain level where we have a strong kind of aerobic base foundation developed, um, you know, obviously we want to work, uh, we want to, um, you know, keep a balance as we start to move forward with increasing mileage, but also adding in those workouts. And I think that sometimes, some of us, we're not working hard enough in workouts. Um, we're maybe just focusing too much on the mileage part, and that's that's um, affecting really the the quality of work that we're able to put into a session. Um, maybe because our legs just aren't fresh, we're not recovered just from running, you know, too many miles on heavy legs, that sort of thing. Um, and that's where I think sometimes it's best to do a little bit less mileage. Maybe take that ex- extra rest day, or just run you know, four miles instead of six or seven on an easy day, that sort of thing. Um, obviously listening to our body pace, all of those effort, all of that should be considered. Um, but yeah, I think really getting, you know, a lot of studies show like we need to be working hard on workouts and then we need to be recovering hard as well. And, 
Um, a, a big sign, I think, as to how fit someone is, is how quickly they can recover from a hard session. If it takes us a week, I think that's a sign like maybe we're doing too much and we need to figure out um, you know, how to balance that recovery. Yeah, I typically think when people are running too many miles, uh, the workouts do really suffer. And so when you look back at my running history, for example, those periods of time where I was really stuck in like the 70, 80, 90, 100 mile week, whatever, um, I said I was doing workouts, you know, quote unquote. But if you looked at the paces I was hitting, um, they were not really the type of workouts I should have been doing, right? Like I should have had it so that I was running less mileage so that I could actually hit my paces for the workouts so that the workouts had that purpose behind them. Um, but I wasn't willing to, you know, adjust my mileage at all to have legs that could hit the paces for my workouts and to have maybe that motivation. Cause maybe part of it was motivational. Part of it was, you know, physical, whatever. But I, I often find that the case, right? Like, so if someone's running higher mileage than maybe they should, typically the first thing that you see lacking is, okay, there's no specific workouts, which I guess it just depends on kind of what your goals are. But the number one thing, if you really want to take your time to the next level is you really have to be stressing, um, you know, your threshold zones and your VO2 max and all those things. Um, it has to be very specific. And the faster you get, the more specific your training has to get. So, you know, you can say, oh, well, I'm just going to increase my mileage and I'll get faster. It's like, yeah, that works like kind of in the beginning. But once you reach a certain level, it's really about the specific, the specific workouts that you are doing. So there was that time I was running 80 miles a week. I was significantly slower than, you know, fast forward three years later, I'm running 40, 50 miles a week and running significantly faster times. Um, but the only change is that I was running less mileage and that the workouts that I was doing were actually stressing the correct zones and I was able to recover in between them and have, um, you know, a fresh mind, fresh legs for those workout days. And so that's really as a coach, what I look at, um, if someone's ready to increase their mileage or not, um, they really have to be in a place where they are really hitting the paces they should be on their workouts and that their race times are also kind of improving or at least they are, you know, within range of what I would expect based on the workouts, right? So it's really important to have those quality sessions as you get faster. And usually that's the determining factor for um, what your performances are going to look like on race day rather than, you know, the workouts, right? Because Jason and I are very different um, in terms of our ability levels, right? Like he runs a 113 half marathon. I run a 127 half marathon PR. Um, so that's about a minute per mile apart. We might run the same weekly mileage, but his workouts are what you look at when you want to see what type of athlete he is, right? So um, 40 miles a week for me, 40 miles a week for him, but it's the workouts that really are determining what your success is. And without those workouts, Jason wouldn't be able to hit, you know, the times for a half, even if he was running 40 miles a week. Um, He could run 40 miles a week forever and he would never get to the fitness, to his peak fitness because he's missing the workouts to get there. Same with me. Like I could run 40 miles a week all day long or 80 miles a week all day long, but unless I'm doing the specific workouts, my fitness isn't going to be able to improve to that point of me being in PR shape. Um, so if you're really looking at those sort of factors, once you, especially once you get into like the more intermediate phases of running where you've kind of reached, you know, close to where your, not where your limits are, but close to 
what you think your potential is and you're, and you're starting to notice, okay, I'm only PRing by a couple of minutes at these halves or these full, um, that's when the workouts start to matter a lot more. And that's when you, we really have to start being careful. Like, are we doing too many miles? Because you ha- there's a trade-off, right? Like we have to be focusing on what's going to impact your training the most. Yeah, very well said. I mean, you said a lot there that resonated with me. And when you were talking kind of about yourself doing the, um, the more mileage, less workouts, and it made me think of a, a very common, like we, we do get a lot of runners who are, I would say, um, you know, they're very invested in running the marathon. They want to do a lot of marathons and bring their time down in that distance. And maybe they're, let's just say they start out around like five hours or 445 marathon time. And so they want to, you know, they expect a big drop and obviously they should. I mean, over time, there's a lot of room there for improvement. But I think for some athletes, I've seen a few who they insist on doing too many miles because they think like that's what it that's what it takes to be able to handle the marathon distance is like running. Well, I got to do 18 or 19 mile long runs to be able to cover that distance on race day. And it's like, well, sure, but you're going to that just um, is going to basically affect any workout that we can do leading up to that week or the week after. And so we've got to really be mindful of balancing the, the volume with the intensity. And I think for a lot of athletes you know, they, they've, they've kind of built up to be able to, to run a certain number of miles, right? So now we need to actually maybe do a little bit less and put them in these uncomfortable situations of running workouts. And that's going to be what really get, elicits a, a response where they can actually gain fitness from. And, um, you know, obviously that works on their mental toughness as well. So there's definitely that, that balance of, of kind of scaling back on, on the miles. Um, I know for, for people that are really new to running or they're, they don't really have that background in like racing a lot of shorter races. Um, cause you know, they care about that marathon distance or maybe doing 50 States or whatever it is. Um, I think for them, it's so important to, to get faster at shorter distances, um, especially during off season times, or maybe, maybe just like going a whole year without doing a marathon and then just taking some time to focus on developing that that speed, that VO2 max, your threshold, that sort of thing. And as you get faster, your body becomes more efficient. Your running economy overall improves. Um, then you're able to go back and sustain, you know, marathon pace workouts and your, your marathon time is going to improve too over time. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting as we talk about this, cause it, I mean, running, what we know about runners is it's such a wide spectrum, right? Like, and that's the beauty of the marathon is there's people there on the start line who, who are very well trained, who enjoy the distance. And then there's people on the star line who are really like middle distance runners who just want that challenge. And they probably didn't train the smartest, but they're going to be there and they're going to go for it. And so that's, that's the beauty of the sport. I think it's so fascinating to think about how, how different everyone trains, but yeah, more mileage is not always better. I think it's, it's best to focus on, um, the quality. Yeah, definitely. And just hearing everything that you're saying, how how true it is. You know, runners are really good at, I think, getting out the door and getting a run in, right? And I think that's enough energy that most people are pretty much stopped there, right? They're like, you know, running is enough. Um, I don't have energy or the mind space or the motivation to do these like workouts, right? I think workouts are very mentally taxing. And for several years, I myself just thought, wow, I would look at a workout on a piece of paper and be like, nope, not happy. Because it's just, it's it's added onto what you're already doing. So you're already going out for a run, which is hard in and of itself. So like even easy runs are hard. You have to like 
get motivation to do it. You know, you have to like schedule it. You and, and it's like every day these runners, right? Like, I mean, we're all going out there pretty much every day doing this run. And so sometimes you just don't have that motivation. And then it's like, you have to do a workout on top of that. I think most runners, if there's anything in running that they don't like to do, it's workouts because they're not, you know, I mean, what is it really giving you, right? People would rather have that weekly mileage at the end of the day. They want to have like these numbers to show for, they want the race times, but they don't want to like put in these workouts because you're out there, you're alone, you're doing the workout and it's just, they're hard. Um, and I think that's, that's sometimes why people get caught in these mileage traps because they'd rather say, Hey, I ran 40 miles this week, than run 36 miles and, and do their quality workout because the workouts are taking an extreme amount of mental and physical energy. And, and I think anyone who's done workouts before knows this and they maybe try to avoid doing them because I know like you're not a huge workout fan so do you think that that kind of plays a role um and how can people reframe things in their mind to get a little bit more excited about workouts yeah I mean I I still look forward to workouts I like that I like running fast I think my fear of doing them now is just um sometimes not feeling super confident in my ability to recover from them. So I feel like, oh man, I gotta be, I gotta kind of scale it back. Otherwise I might get, get hurt or whatever. But I think, um, workouts can be exciting. And I think, you know, just, just setting a goal of, um, focusing on negative splits, that's always been key for me. And if you feel like you can't hit the paces, um, it's okay to start slow on the first one and, and then try to just slowly chip away at getting, getting faster on each, each following one. I think that can go a long way for improving your, you know, your confidence. Um, I know for some runners, they, it it really depends, right? Like some runners want it, want to feel like it was so hard. And then that is really what helps them. Um, other runners, they want to feel like it was super attainable. And then that's what kind of drives them forward, right? Like it just depends. I know, I know I listened to a podcast recently and it was a guy who used to coach Sarah Hall and she, or he, he talked about how they would purposely put workouts on the calendar that are so incredibly hard that she probably couldn't even finish. And she didn't finish a lot of them, but that is what she needed to kind of keep her interested, keep her motivated and to really get her, um, at a higher fitness level, um, because she wasn't racing very well when she was doing workouts that she was completing easily. Like it, it took, it took really hard workouts to get her to that level, um, and I think that just, that got her mentally tough and mentally ready and it got her actually more confident. Whereas I know some people, they look at a workout and they might see it on the calendar and be like, oh gosh, I can't do that. Or they worry about it. Um, or they might be excited about it. And when they fall a little short, sometimes that kind of damages their self-confidence. Um, but it shouldn't be that way at all. Uh, it should be, you should be proud of, of the progress that you're making and the fact that you went out there to try to attempt something that's very difficult. That's going to go a long way in improving your, you know, not only the mental aspect, but your physical um, running. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just kind of knowing what motivates you and keeps you going is, is super key. Um, so as coaches, it's something to look out for when you're coaching your athletes, but also as an athlete, it's really good to know that about yourself and to kind of observe like what are my tendencies and all those sort of things to self-reflect because that can really help you reach the next level if you know something about yourself and you're able to um, you know, combat that with with different things like Sarah Hall's coach, like, hey, I, I like to have harder workouts. I like to fail during my workouts, whatever. Um, or if you're someone that gets anxiety before workouts because you see the paces and you'd rather have something like a little easier or a different option at the end to like cut it short. Um, these are just things to know. And 
ways to move forward in the future. So hopefully this was a useful podcast when you're thinking about increasing your mileage or just getting caught up in that comparison trap about what is really important and how many miles do I really need to run, right? Because it can be kind of intimidating to see some people running like 300 miles a week or not 300 miles in a month and to look at our own training and just wonder, gee, am I doing enough? Um, chances are you're probably doing plenty of mileage, but sometimes it's, it's those workouts that kind of take things to the next level. So if you want to try some of these workouts or just try maybe what a week of training might look like with Run for PRs, you can fill out our form at www.runforprs.co and we can get you set up on a free seven-day trial right away. So thanks for tuning in.